for new revelation and new understanding to rest upon. Um, a mason can't lay the 32nd row of brick until he lays the first one and the second one and the third one. And so we've been laying brick around here for 20 plus years. Amen. And so what we're coming to now is, is, a, is a culmination of a lot of things. Um, and, and that's why we do, we're doing a lot of review of things we've talked about in the past. But we're now understanding them in light of fresh understanding and fresh revelation. Okay. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 23, it says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And what we've learned is that the spirit of your mind is your self-image. The spirit of your mind is how you understand yourself, what you believe to be true about yourself, the, the image that you have of yourself. And what the scriptures teach us is that our life reality is a reflection of uh, our self-image. Your life reality is a reflection of your self-image. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to um, confuse you, okay? Um, this word reflection is, is accurate but there's a better word. There's a better word. And the better word is a projection of your self-image. And we'll explain that as we work our way through uh, the things we're going to learn this morning. So if you've written this down in your notes several times, I'm not trying to, you know, switch it up on you here. But I'm learning along with you, okay, uh, these things. And so your life reality is a reflection of your self-image, but it would perhaps better be understood as a projection of your self-image. A projection is a presented image. A projection is a presented image, okay? So we said that it's impossible to have the wrong self-image and function in the potential that you possess as the offspring of God, and that as long as the image we have of ourself, ourselves reflects the man we were, our conduct and condition of life will project the man. So I should have corrected that there. So as long as our self-image reflects the man we were, the old man, then our, um, praise God, let me get it right, our con conduct and condition of life will project the man we were, even though we are not that man any longer. This is why we must be renewed in the spirit of our minds. A couple of things, I know we've said these over and over again, but remember, we defeat our Creator Father's purpose for making us new men and women if we insist on clinging to the inward image of our former self, the old man that only exists in our minds. And then one last uh, thing, I'm saying that, praise God. Yeah, we're going to move on to some new stuff now. But for the child of God, fear, shame, depression, inferiority, insecurity, condemnation, and feelings of unworthiness are all rooted in a wrong self-image. Meaning what? Meaning you'll never correct um, these things until you correct the self-image that is producing um, all of these uh, issues and, um, and problems that we have, praise God, and, and are overcoming uh, in our lives. Amen. Now, let me jump in here, and again, some of this is just a culmination of things that we've already established and talked about, right? And, and if I'm going too fast for you right now, these are things that, if you're new to the study, these are things that we've spent four ser sermons already establishing, and so I'm just trying to renew and, and review your, renew your thinking on these things um, and then and review these things so that we can connect them to what we're going to be uh, digging into here this morning. So you are a spirit. You have a soul, and you live in a physical body. You are a three-dimensional being. 
The real you is your spirit. That's why I say you are a spirit. All of this is, of course, taken out of Genesis 1 and, you know, Paul's letter to the Thessalonians and a whole lot of other places, Hebrews 4. The Bible teaches that you are a three-dimensional being. And those three dimensions are spirit, soul, and body. But a lot of times people just say, well, you know, I am a spirit, soul, and body. Well, you're not just that you are a spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit. You have a soul. Your soul is the part of you that thinks, feels, and chooses. And then you live in a physical body. And every time that I come to this, um, I want to talk more and more about it. And um, in, in the days ahead, maybe as early as this Wednesday, in discipleship class, um, that's an hour and 45-minute class, and we will spend the better part of two and a half to three of those classes, six hours, just establishing what, what, this, what the Bible has to say about spirit, soul, and body. And so every time I mention it to you, I feel so compelled to just go on and on and on about it, but I'm going to resist uh, that compulsion this morning and just keep moving through. So because you are a three-dimensional being, it is possible for you to have three different versions of yourself your true self, the way you see yourself, and then the version of yourself that you present or that you project to the world. So your true self obviously corresponds with your spirit, your, your true image, amen. Um, the way you see yourself, that's your self-image, and that resides not in your spirit but in your soul. And then the version of yourself that you present to the world, this has to do with your, your body or your what we call your, uh, your outer image or your, again, we're going to change that word uh, to, from outer image to your projected image. So again, just um, I know that you've heard this over and over again, but I, I, want you to be, I want you to be so familiar with this that you can talk to somebody at work about it and, and, and you don't even have to tell them I said it. Praise God. Tell them the Holy Spirit said it. Tell them, tell them the Holy Spirit's teaching you this. But again, um, the conversations that I've had with people over the last three weeks about this um, in, in like counseling or one-on-one type sessions, people that, that don't attend here or, 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 you know, different situations, people that I've shared this with at the Foundry or what have you, um, it's, it has been a, a, a real uh, life-changing truth for them. Amen. So the three images are your true image. This is your spirit. And this is what the Bible says that as you are known, th- this is... This is how heaven knows you right now, amen, this, because this is who you are right now. Remember, you are a spirit, you are spirit, uh, and um, your spirit is as you were known. But then your self-image corresponds with your soul, and this is as you know yourself. And then the third one is your projected image, your body, and this is as you make yourself known. This is how you want people to think of you. This is what you want people to to, and, and remember, we said that, that this is the three versions of yourself, and, and sadly, there is a great... Do you understand disparity? In other words, difference, if you compare one to the other, uh, you know, the, the difference is, um, would be disparity. And so there's, a, there's a, sadly a great disparity between what we want people to know about us and what we believe to be true about us, okay? And that's a mask, and the Bible says that we can never be transformed into the image that God created us in uh, as, long as, we ha- as long as we're wearing that mask. So there's a huge dis- disparity. We all know this. I'm not, I, I, listen, I, I'm myself included, this isn't me pointing a finger at you. We all recognize that, you know, what we believe about ourselves and what we want people to think about us, there's a gap there. 
But where the real gap exists, and it's much bigger, and it's much more of a problem, is the gap between our self-image and our true image. In other words, who we really are and what we believe about ourselves. And that's the gap that we need to close. Because if we, it, the more that gap closes, the more, the more of our true image will be projected to the world. Um, and, 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 and this is how uh, you know, people will know us. Okay, so this is where we ended last week. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. This is what God said in, in, in Genesis when he made, um, when he created Adam. Uh, leading up to the creation of Adam, this was the determination in Father's heart, uh, in God's heart. Us and our, are plural pronouns, this is speaking of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So they agreed, amen that we would be created like them and in their image. So this goes much deeper than, uh, you know, two arms, two hands, five fingers on each hand, two eyes, one nose, one mouth, two ears. We know that God has two eyes, one nose, one mouth, two ears, all these other things. But when it says that God created you in his image and in his likeness, um, he created you to be like him. Okay, now this is where it can get a bit overwhelming. This is not in my notes. I got more in my notes that I'm going to get to today. Now I'm going off notes. But let me just introduce this for a moment, all right? So amazing, so astounding, so stunning is the truth that God created us to be like Him, that that became the only area in which He could deceive Eve. Think about this for a minute. Um, any other thing that he tried to trick her up on, um, she knew, she understood, right? He, she had, he couldn't gain any ground in all the areas that he was trying to entice her in. But when he told her that if she ate the fruit, she would be like God. See, we know that she was already like God, and we know that Adam failed because he knew that, but clearly he didn't teach her that, Okay. He taught her the rules, but he didn't teach her her true image. And that's the mistake that, that preachers and teachers and pastors have been making for generation after generation after generation. People come to church and they know the rules. They know the commandments. They've been fed a steady diet of what they should do, how they should live, what they shouldn't do, how they shouldn't live. But no one's ever bothered to tell them who they really are. And that's the part the devil keeps taking advantage of in, in, in our lives. And so this, this was the one thing that, that seemed so far beyond her, her ability to comprehend that she was already like God that it became the crack, if you will, that, that Satan was able to weasel into. Amen. And, and I'm telling you today in, in the body of Christ, uh, it's still the same issue. This, this is the same thing that the devil keeps exploiting over and over and over again. He exploited it with Eve, and he's, he's exploiting it in the body of Christ today in, in the sense that people cannot comprehend or understand that God created us to be like him. But remember what we said last week. He's the creator. He's the potter. We're the creation. We're the clay. And the clay has no right to ask the potter why he made us the way he did or to accuse him of not knowing what he was doing when he did it. Amen. And so it was God's plan from the very beginning for you to be like him. 
to create you as his offspring in the earth. For you to know what he knows, to, to, to have what he has, to feel what he feels, uh, to do what he does. All of this was the original plan uh, and purpose for God. So God created you to be like him. We've got to nail this down now, okay? And I understand if, if you're a little shaky on it, but just come on. I'm gonna, i got a lot, a lot to show you this morning. God created you to be like him. He created you to be an earthly representation of himself. He created you to be an earthly representation of himself for you to represent him on the earth. Now, we talked about some of these beings that we know exist in heaven and how marvelous they are and how different they are and multiple sets of wings and, 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 and all of these things. If you look at our own creation, do you realize that there are over 800,000 different insects? We're talking about creativity on, on, a, on a scale, right? 800,000. There are well over in excess of 1,100,000 animals. Okay? So when it came to creating you and me, um, it's not like God was running out of ideas. It's not like he was trying to come up with, um, you know, it's like I've exhausted all of my ability to create anything, you know, different. No, he could have created you um, like an octopus with, with eight arms and legs, amen? And sometimes when I'm working, I wish I had another arm or two, right? Um, another hand or two, right? You follow what I'm saying? He, he could have created you to look any way and, and, and function any way, um, but he didn't. He created you to look like him. He created you to function like him. He created you to be like him because he created you to represent him on the earth, now, I'm going to use um, some terminology here, um, original intent and original design. And what I mean by original intent, think intentions, what God intended. And I'm talking about his original intentions for you and me. They are made very clear in the scriptures, what God intended for us, what he intended for us to be. And we're going to look at some of those passages. But then we also have to understand his original design. In other words, the way he designed you, um, the, the, the way that he made you, spirit, soul, and body. Um, every bit of that um, has to do with your origin. Okay, so when we talk about original design, remember the root word of original is origin. The root word of original intention is the intentions of your origin, the, 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 the intentions of, of your original design. So you were created uh, with a purpose in mind and were then created in light of that purpose. So we talk about this a lot in discipleship class, um, which came first, um, man or man's purpose. In other words, God didn't create us and then try to figure out a purpose for us. He had a purpose in mind for us before he ever created us and then created us in such a way as to be able to fulfill that purpose. Are you following me? So this has to do with his original intent, what he purposed for you and me, what his plan for us was, and, and then he designed us or created us in such a way as to be able to fulfill that purpose. Now, when we put that word original in there, what we have to understand is that sin interrupted and threw a wrench in the works 
of how God intended for us to function. For instance, when He created Adam, spirit, soul, and body in His image and likeness, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we see that God the Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit um, all work together in perfect harmony. And before Adam sinned, His spirit, soul, and body worked together in perfect harmony. But when Adam sinned and disconnected himself from, from God and from God's Spirit and from the light of God's glory, he, he, he separated himself from that, which has put mankind now in a position to where our spirit and our flesh are at odds with one another. Your soul is a part of you that thinks, feels, and chooses. We now see people on planet Earth being ruled and dominated by their emotions. My friend, your emotions were meant to serve you. Your emotions were meant to bless you, never to, to, to dominate you, never to, to torment you, and certainly never to rule you. The same with your flesh. My friend, your, your body is an Earth suit. It was, it was designed to enable you to connect with and function in a physical world because God created a physical world and put Adam in it. But remember, the real you is a spirit. Your spirit has a soul, and your soul is tucked inside of a physical body that enables you to function in a physical realm. Remember, it wasn't until Adam sinned that he became aware of negative emotions. It wasn't until Adam sinned that he looked at himself and said, I'm naked, because now all of a sudden he, he has become aware of his spirit, soul, and body. As long as they were working in, in perfect harmony, the, the spirit was functioning the way the spirit was created to function, the soul was functioning the way it was created to function, and the, and the body was, was functioning the way it was created to function. But when sin entered into the original design, it threw a wrench in that, and, and now the whole thing is messed up. In other words, God did not create you, right, to, to, to be in this constant tug of war between what your flesh wants to do and what your spirit wants to do. And as long as we're in this fle fleshly body, living on a cursed planet, um, where Satan is the god of this world, um, then we certainly have the equipment and the weapons necessary to live by faith and fight the good fight of faith and overcome these things. But things will not always be, my brother and my sister, as they are right now. Because there's coming a day when you will have a body that is comparable, amen, to the born-again spirit that now resides in this one. This is what the Bible means when it says, we have a treasure in an earthen vessel. We have the very Spirit of God inside of a body, uh, a physical body made from the dust of this earth. Now, Jesus is our, our example in all of these things. And we see that when he came back from, uh, uh, after he uh, came out of the grave on Resurrection Sunday, and he went to heaven and poured out, um, his blood there on the altar for you and me. He came back now to this earth and he was in a body that was not like our bodies. He was in a body that could eat a meal and then walk through a wall. It's, it's a glorified body. And the Bible says that there's already one prepared for you in heaven. There's one already there waiting for you. And the Bible calls this body our tent I'm doing it now. See, here I go. It's spirit, soul, and body. But that's okay. The Bible calls this body our tent, but it calls that body our home. Tent being what? Temporary home, right? There's a show on HDTV now called Forever Home, right? And, and so that's literally our forever home. Now, we have to understand the original purpose, and we have to also understand that sin changed many things on our end, but on God's end, the original purpose has not changed because it's eternal. Are you hearing me? 
And so this puts a new light then on what Jesus came to do for us because he came to um, put us in a position to where we could uh, fulfill God's original purpose for us once again. Uh, In our fallen state, we had fallen short of God's glory. But Jesus came to make us new and and to create us again so that this time we could not only fulfill the purpose for which we were created, we could do it forever without end. Amen. And so if you've been born again, you've already become a partaker of that, even if it may not look like, seem like, or feel like that uh, right now. Okay. Now, it's going to seem like we're shifting gears, but we're not. Okay. So just keep building now with me on, on, on the foundation that we've laid so far. And I have two statements uh, on, on, the, uh, on the overlay, on the screen. Uh, the first one says, God created Lucifer to reflect his glory. God created Adam to project his glory. And, and this word project is, is the most recent part of this that the Lord's helped me understand. And, and to be honest with you, I, 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 until that word project and until the Lord kind of corrected some of the things that I was, th- I was thinking about this, it's like that one word brought, um, I don't know, it brought a whole lot of stuff uh, in, into view for me. As a matter of fact, some of the things that I kind of stumbled around in last week um, I probably should have just held off on that until I had this better understanding. But again, I'm learning along with you as we all learn this from our teacher, the Holy Spirit, together, okay? But this, this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me, okay? I, I'm not trying to act all super spiritual, but the, the, the Lord literally said to me, I created Lucifer to reflect my glory. I created you to project my glory, okay? And so let's talk about this for a moment. The difference between reflecting and projecting. Because there is a part of you that God created to reflect, okay? And we'll get to that in just a moment. But your soul was created to reflect and then project, okay? And to project, just if you're, you know, keeping score at home, the definition, to project means to present an image. So your soul was created to reflect an image, amen, and then present that image, Are you with me? Praise God. So let's go back to true image, self-image, projected image. So Father put a true image inside of you for your soul to reflect, reflect your true image and project it outward. This is is how he designed Adam to function. I'm going to show you this in the scriptures. It's how he designed Adam to function, which means it's how he designed you and me to function. So do you see why when Adam separated himself from, from God from the true image that he was to reflect. And for the first time, he understands and believes something about himself that did not come from God, okay? Now he's projecting fear. Now he's he's projecting, uh, you know, he's not just hiding from God. My friend, he's hiding from his wife, okay? Listen to me, please. He's hiding from the only two people that can help him. Only person that can help him is God. And remember, he get, God gave Adam Eve to help him. Now that he's sinned, he's hiding from the only two that can help him. And people have been doing it ever since. The only sin they'll ever send a man or woman to hell is to run from the light. Every other sin they've ever committed has already been paid for. Are you hearing me? That's why the Bible says he's not even keeping record of sin. Only sin that will send a man or woman from hell is saying no to the light. Is saying no to the light, capital L-I-G-H-T, to Jesus. It's right there in John 3. 
We get so stopped and so caught up on John 3, 16, we don't understand. There's a lot in that account with Nicodemus that Jesus reveals to us about this. But let's go back to it. God created Lucifer to reflect his glory, but he created you and me much differently. He created, and this is, the, I think, maybe the primary difference between an angel and a human being. And so for the record, um, you will one day judge angels. Um, when your loved one passes and goes to heaven, they don't go to get their wings and become an angel. Okay, so there's a lot of people, Hollywood has, has, has um, presented that to us, and we've bought it hook, line, and sinker. But that, that is not the case at all. The Bible says that the love that God has for you is something angels long to look into. Lucifer and one-third of the angels fell from heaven, and we have no record of God even asking them if he wanted to come back. When Adam sinned and rebelled against God and took us all down with him, not only did God send prophets to us, not only did he send messengers to us, not only did he send angels to us, he sent his only begotten son to us to die for us just to give us an opportunity to come back to him. Still our choice. So don't make the mistake of thinking a man and an angel are the same thing because they absolutely positively are not. And so this is one of the fundamental differences between a, 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 a man, a human, and an angel. Uh, an angel was created to reflect God's glory, but a man was created to project his glory. So what we know about Lucifer from Ezekiel and Isaiah and Revelation, and I'm not going to take the time to go into all of those things, is that Lucifer was the leader of worship in heaven that he walked back and forth on the coals of fire that was on the altar in front of the throne of God. And so he's walking on hot coals. You ever seen folks in other cultures full of the devil walk on hot coals barefooted and not burn their feet, okay? It's, it's Lucifer trying to manifest himself, trying to project himself through those men who are either full of him or influenced by him. And so Lucifer, in heaven before he rebelled and fell, he walked back and forth on the coals of fire, uh, there's an altar in front of the throne of God, and there's fire on it that burns forever. And Lucifer once walked back and forth on those coals, and the Bible says that he had pipes built into his body. This is where we get the, the con, you know, we say somebody who can really sing, they have a set of pipes. Well, Lucifer literally had a set of pipes, and the Bible says that his covering was coverings of precious stones, uh, rubies, diamonds, just Every stone that you can possibly imagine, uh, Lucifer was covered in those. And as he walked back and forth in front of the throne of God, the glory of God uh, shined forth from God. And as it shined on Lucifer, those stones that he was... (sighs) My friend, heaven, listen to me. Oh, God. One day when we see it, the beauty that's there, listen to me now. Lucifer, that glory of God hit those stones and it refracted and reflected and the brilliance and, 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 the, and the glory. But it, it wasn't, uh, it, you almost got overcome by that. Bear with me for a minute, praise God. The glory, amen. That, that, but it wasn't Lucifer's glory. That's, not, that's the mistake he made. I'm trying to quit the holler because those sermons I listen to, I holler too much on them. But listen to me. He, he, it wasn't Lucifer's glory. The glory of Lucifer was to reflect the glory of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and the brilliance, my friend. But again, and, and so think it bounced off of him. He, it was crea- he was created in such a way for the glory of God to project off of him. Amen. But now, when it comes to me and you, 
we weren't just created to reflect His glory. We were, free, we were created to project His glory. God created Adam so that His glory could be projected through him. Not just reflected off of Him. Not just so that the glory of God would hit you and bounce off. But so that the glory of God would be absorbed into you and projected through you. Think about the difference between light hitting a mirror and bouncing off of it versus light shining through something. And, it, and, the, and, and as it shines through that filter, that filter now uh, alters the light so that it, be, it becomes that light influenced by that thing which it shines through. This, this, my brother and sister, is how He created you. He created you so that His glory could be projected to you. Think reflecting um, or bouncing off of something versus light shining through it. So again, God created you for His glory to shine through you. And so we see this in Scripture that God is glorified when His glory shines through you. God is glorified when His glory shines through you. God is glorified when His glory shines through you. I want to say it a thousand more times. See, what happened now when Adam sinned, he fell short of the glory of God. He separated himself from the glory of God, right? Now he's lost his capacity to project the glory of God in the created realm because there's nothing in him now for his soul to reflect and project forward. Are you seeing this? But as I said last week, there's still a residue of God. It's like fingerprints on, on the mirror that were left there, and they're on every human being born in the world right now. This is why we know it's wrong to take a person's life. This is why we, we have a, something called a conscience um, that bothers us when we do things that are wrong, even if no one's ever told us that they're wrong. There's something in us. That's why the devil is trying as quickly as he can, as early as he can in, in, in children's lives to get them to, um, in other words, he's, he's wanting to overlay the fingerprints of God on the mirror of their soul uh, with, with shame and guilt and fear and condemnation and, and literally so that their conscience doesn't bother them. This is, this is the real pandemic in our world today. It's called fatherlessness. It's where parents are not reinforcing. Listen, you don't misunderstand me. I understand this is terminology. Certainly we need to instill within our children the difference between right and wrong. But in reality, God's already instilled that in them. What you need to do is help reinforce that in them. And then ultimately, when, you know, when they're old enough, help them to be born again. But listen, at a very, very young age, the devil, listen to me now, at a very, very young age, the devil is trying to confuse um, who you are with what you do and what you do with who you are. See, don't, don't correct your children and tell them they are bad. Don't correct your children and say, you are mean. No, 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 no. They may be acting mean, but that's what they're doing don't don't confuse don't that's the devil's job you're doing the devil's job if you tell them they are something that they do bad 
Are you hearing me? Because that's what, the de- that's what so many of us are struggling with to this day. Our self-image is based upon all the evidence that we've accumulated over the history of our life and our projected image. We look at our projected image and we think that has to be who we are, self-image. And we're, we're oblivious to the true image of who, of who God created us to be. Man, I'm telling you, I told you it was going to be a lot of stuff. I'm giving you a lot of stuff. I see some of you writing so fast. You might, you might have to do like me. Go back and listen to it. Take notes. Are you hearing me? I didn't even know that was on the wagon. So I say I'm unloading the wagon. That's that, but that's, that's it. Are you, are you seeing what I'm saying? So, so don't, don't you ever tell your children, you're selfish. See, well, they just did something selfish. Yeah, that's what they did. They're not a human doing. They're a human being. You reinforce generosity. You reinforce. Remember I told you last week, well, it's just human nature. No, it's carnal mindedness. It's either sin nature or it's God's nature. That's the only two natures. And if you haven't been born again, you have a sin nature. If you have been born again, you have God's nature. That's your true image. But even people who have been born again, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a residue there. And so it used to be what Billy Graham say, get them born again for their 12 or 13. My friend, my experience, and, and it's probably changed since now, get them born again for their 6 or 7, 5 or 6 years old. God is glorified when His glory shines through you. When God's glory no longer, when Adam no longer had the capacity uh, for, you know, Adam no longer had the capacity for the true glory of God to be reflected by his soul and projected into the world around him, this is when mankind started seeking their own glory. Are you following me? And this was was the thing that was so confusing to, 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 um, to the people around Jesus um, remember the Pharisees, I don't have the verse in, in my notes right now, but remember the Pharisees asked Jesus, well, who do you make yourself out to be? <laughs> Think about that. Who do you make yourself out to be? Because again, all they understood was a projected image that they created themselves, the glory of man. And I don't mean the glory of, of God for man. I'm talking about Jesus said that I do not receive honor or glory from men. I only receive honor and glory from God. He said, but your whole system is based upon you glorifying one another. Thank you for that. Amen. So let's talk for a minute about what the glory of God really is. In Strong's, the, the, the Greek transliteration is the doxa of God. I think, don't quote me on this, but I think it's Strong's number 2222. And the doxa of God simplified, and the definition is a, is, is a column and a half long, but in a lexicon. But the, the simple way to understand the glory of God is all that God is, all that God has, and all that God can do, all that God does. Who He is, what He has, what He does. Who He is, what He has, what He does. Who He is, what He has, what He does. Who he is, what he has, what he does. You were created by God to reflect who he is and project who he is into the world around us. You were created by Father God to reflect what he has and project what he has into the world around you. You were created by Father God to reflect what he does and project what he does into the world around you. 
This is why Jesus said of born-again men and women, you'll do the works that I do and even greater works because I go to my Father. This is why Jesus said to born-again men and women, you will lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Is healing something God does? Yeah. Is He glorified when you lay your hands on somebody and they're healed? Yes, because that's Him shining through you. And if we had the right self-image, we'd be doing a whole lot more of it right now than we are. Because we don't think we can. We don't think nothing will happen. We don't think that we think, well, it's, it's God's will. My friend, it's God's will for him. I see, don't, I'll go 30, 40 minutes on that. <sighs> All that he is. All that he has. Jesus said you can have God's peace in your heart. He said you can have his joy in your heart so that your joy is full to overflowing. Everything that he is, everything that he has, and everything that he does. Now, I don't think I'm going to get as far as I was hoping I would get, but just stay with me. I don't feel like anybody in here is ready to go yet. But just stay with me for a minute because I'm going to jump way ahead and I'm going to come back and I'm going to backfill, all right? The scriptures are very clear that Jesus took his eternal glory and if, if that glory could be represented as a crown because that's how Father God often represents it. To be crowned with glory is to be fully encompassed about by it. It, 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 it's, it's to abide in it. Okay? And so we see in John 17, among other places, Philippians 2, where Jesus took the glory that belonged to him as the eternal, only begotten Son of God. If you can picture that glory as a crown... He stood up from his throne of the universe. He took that crown off. He set that crown on that throne. And he came to this earth as a man through the womb of a virgin teenager named Mary. And what he did on this earth, he did as a man in right standing with God, full of the Holy Spirit, a man who had never sinned. He didn't get his seed from Adam. Remember, it was Mary's egg, but it was the Holy Spirit's seed from which Jesus was born. And he came to do a lot of things. And among the things Jesus came to do is, number one, he came to show us the Father. Jesus is the express image. When we talk about him projecting, what he projected to the world is an exact duplicate of his father, his father's nature, his father's character, his father's emotions. If you cannot find it in the life of Jesus, then it is not God. Bill Johnson, one of my favorite quotes from Bill Johnson, so simple but so profound. Jesus is perfect theology. Theology is the study of God. Jesus is perfect theology. If you want to study God, study the earthly life of Jesus. Because what we see in Jesus, and even later the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul calls him the last Adam. 
you got the first Adam who blew it. Now you got the last Adam who not only didn't blow it, but he gave opportunity for all of us to be restored once again, to no longer be in the first Adam, but now we are in and part of and one with the last Adam. So when we talk about the reflecting and the projecting, Jesus not only came to give us a perfect representation of who God the Father is, but he also came to give you and me a perfect example, a perfect representation of who we are, of how we're supposed to function, of how we're, we were designed to operate. Because remember, we see that, that, that this is why Jesus said things like, I never say anything unless my Father tells me to say it. I never do anything unless my Father shows me to do it. Show, what is this? In other words, all He's doing is reflecting what He sees His Father do. Are you, are you, are you, oh, man, I get so excited about this stuff. I'll, just, I'll, I'll stand in my shower, man, and just start trembling. This is so exciting to me. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Are you seeing this now? So Jesus, again... What we see is not, because this is what he says in John 17. He says, oh, Father, all these that I love, I long for the day when they can stand before my throne and see me in the glory that I had with you before I came here. Meaning what? Meaning what they're seeing here is a projected glory of the express image of God. Not the glory of the eternal Son of God, only begotten of the Father, who just put a little skin suit on and came down here and did everything he did as God. He did everything he did down here as a man. Hebrews says that he had to become a man in order for our salvation to be complete because it was a man who blew it, so it had to be a man who renewed it. Are you hearing me? It was a man who dropped the ball, so it had to be a man who picked the ball back up. If, if God the Father had just backhanded the devil and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave back from him, then God would have had them, right? But it was a man who lost them, and if a man's ever going to have them again, a man's got to come and take them back for all mankind. And and that's what Jesus did for us. So we need some scripture here. And a lot of it. And, there, and thankfully there is a lot of it. Romans 8 says, What is man that you're mindful of him? Or the son of man that you visit him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. A little lower than the angels is a bad translation. The word angels in the original Hebrew is the word Elohim or Elohim. Every other time this is translated in the Old Testament, it's translated God. You know why? Because Elohim is one of the names for God. Other translations have this correctly, have corrected this error. You've made him a little lower than yourself. The message translation says, he made us so much like himself that we narrowly missed being him. And what did he do? He crowned you. He encompassed you about. He encircled you. He enveloped you with glory and honor. But what happened? All sinned and fell short of the glory. Stay with me. Praise God.
me give you one more before we go. Can I? Is it okay? It says 325, but it's really 326. I do not pray for these alone. He was praying for his disciples, but now he's going to pray for me and you. But also for those who believe in me through their word. We're, we are those who believe in Jesus because of the original disciples uh, and apostles who preached the word. That they all may be one as you, Father, in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. He's passed it on, right? That they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and what? Have loved them as you have loved me. The church would change the world tomorrow if we had an image of ourselves as someone that is loved as much by Father God as he loves Jesus. Do you see? Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love which you loved, with which you love me, may be in them, and I in them. My friend, he's in you. And he wants to shine through you. Amen. He wants to shine through you. Amen. Father, thank you for these, your precious people. Thank you, Father, for the true image that exists within each one of us. Thank you, Father, that you're teaching us how to allow your glory to shine through us so that you may be glorified in our lives. Forgive us, Father, for settling for the cheap imitation of trying to glorify ourselves through bragging and boasting and exaggerating and, and all the many, many things, Lord, that we've gotten confused in our lives because we've tried to live based on our projected image instead of our true image. Father, I thank you that this was your original intent and that you've put us now in a position that is not only different from the one Adam was in, but is better, Father. Because you've made us one with yourself, your glory will forever shine in our spirits, even if it never penetrates through our soul and projected outwardly until we see you face to face. 
Now, Father, I'm asking you publicly what I've already asked you privately, Lord, and I want these men and women to hear me ask you this. Father, I want you to do for them what you're doing for me. Lord, not just what we're saying in here, but how all of these things that we're saying publicly together and learning publicly together, Lord, as they study and as they search their own hearts and lives, that you would begin to show and illuminate things, Lord, in them, areas of wrong self-image, yes, but also, Father, different verses in the Bible that now make sense based upon what we're hearing and understanding. Father, you are glorified by much fruit from our lives. And so we pray the prayer that Jesus prayed when you answered him audibly. Father, glorify your name. And you said these words, Father. You said, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. Father, glorify your name right here among us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Tell somebody around you good things coming. Good things coming.